Hello and welcome to the Football Outsiders Week 6 Preview Show. I'm Ian O'Connor, Senior Data Analyst at Football Outsiders, and joining me as he does every week is Tom Stracken, Football Outsiders Fantasy Analyst. Today we'll be covering all things betting and fantasy for all the Sunday games as well as that Monday night football game between Denver and the Chargers. Before we dive in, Tom, how was last week on the fantasy slate for you and just in general? There were, I think there were some pretty big performances last week. Yeah, it was a good week. I kind of scraped profit and it's like, you know, for me, the way I play DFS, I'm really aiming for the first place finishes. So, you know, you have plenty of weeks where you just kind of scrape into the green and it's like, all right, well, you know, wasn't bad losses, but it wasn't really anything super impressive. But in terms of fantasy, I had a good week. I even started Taysom Hill at tight end in one league and uh, thought I was dead set for a winning there before Travis Kelsey got like four touchdowns on 20 yards or whatever on Monday night. So it was a good week. How about for you, Ian? Hey, it was pretty good. Uh, more of a season-long guy. Myself won my two biggest leagues, so happy there. Um, did take some of your advice and then a couple of plugs of my own and won the, the, so the one – uh daily fantasy that i did won five bucks so hey not so bad there Profit's for profit for getting there yeah I, I don't uh don't do a ton trying to get more into it learning a lot from you but more of a season-long guy and so in the just straight betting as well and that was tough with travis kelsey it was one of our our locks on monday or not locks but that mike tanier and i did on the recap show of him to go over i think it was 76 and a half yards he dominated the raiders it's four touchdowns but only 25 <laughs> yards so that was That's a great. little tough it was the only one I think I hit on, on a, uh, a parlay that I did um, out of like seven or eight, just kind of taking a chance at night with all the ones we talked about. And that was the only one that hit missed. So that was a little tough, but oh, well, an underdog, we hit on those as well. And speaking of underdog, you guys out there watching can play on underdog fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 using promo code outsiders uh, season long best ball seasons over, but they do have other user friendly game formats that spice up all the action. If you're getting tired of your season long fantasy. They've got Battle Royale, which is a six-round best ball-style draft with simpler chances to win than you have on those traditional daily fantasy sites we talk about. Or you can try their pick'em games I mentioned. You can wager on players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines. Basically, you're building a parlay where you can pick one stat line from each player, and you can tag a bunch of those games up to five, I believe, there. And that is available even in states where traditional prop betting currently is not available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around ton of fun. So join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. Now, with that being said, let's jump right into some of those Sunday games. This first one doesn't have a ton of excitement around at Jacksonville, plus two at Indianapolis, 42-point total. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, I believe I saw before we hopped on here, did return to practice today. Still some questions surrounding him, whether he's going to play or not. But this Jacksonville team shut out Indian week two. I don't expect that again. Uh, but there's some interesting news with the Jacksonville backfield. I mentioned Jonathan Taylor, but James Robinson and Travis Etienne, what's going on there with the Jaguars? Yeah, so for the second straight week, James Robinson was outsnapped by Travis Etienne. And the week before that, there was a lot of negative game script against the Eagles. They were constantly, you know, they were basically down from the minute the game started. And so you could kind of expect it there because it seems like Travis Etienne does have that kind of role. But last week, it seemed early on that they were rotating series. And Travis Etienne had two really explosive runs, even 18-yard and a 30-yard run. So when you look at the stat line, it looks very much like, oh, Travis Etienne is really, you know, he's the guy picking up all the yardage. But to be honest, they both had the same amount of attempts. They both had 10 attempts each. It was just James Robinson had a bad day, and he was down at 2.7 yards per carry, whilst Etienne ended up with, like, 7.1. So 
it's going to be really interesting to see how that car carries through to this one. I mean, Indy have the second best Russian defense in DVOA, so perhaps this won't be a week where either of them have a great deal of success. But it could be like that it's something worth noting as we go forward. Yeah, and James Robinson uh, got a lot or most of the work against India in that first game, I believe, but only had 64 yards on 23 carries, broke a long touchdown. I think it was a fourth down play. Uh, it may have been a different game, but he did 23 for 64. So not a ton of output there down in Jacksonville, uh, but still going to be getting some of the work there. On the other side, rookie Alec Pierce had a rough start to the season. He had the drop touchdown in week one, missed week two. But he's got 80-plus in back-to-back games and 60-plus in three straight. Is he worth a start for you this week? I think so. I mean, you know, he said 15 targets and 12 receptions in two games to get those totals you were talking about. And the Colts, you know, it's a really thin wide receiver group. You know, Ashton Doolin's just gone on IR today and he's or yesterday. He's going to miss the rest of the season. Outside of Michael Pittman, who you're going to have to start every week because you probably took him in, that's in the late second, early third round in your drafts. Alec Pierce really is probably going to be the most reliable option. I mean, at tight end, you can't start Moelle Cox or uh, forget the other guy who keeps scoring, Jelani Woods. Jelani Woods, yep. It just seems to ping pong back and forth. We, one week, one will get production of MV, the other will. Whereas Alec Pierce seems to have carved out a nice role for himself and he seems to be consistent. And particularly as the bye weeks are here, you're going to hear us say that a lot. Like, you know, fantasy rosters are being pushed to their depth. So I feel like you can start him. I feel like the Jonathan Taylor news has muddied a lot more for the Colts, though, because before, if Jonathan Taylor had missed this, maybe Deion Jackson would have been in play. Like last week, he had 13 rush attempts for 62 yards, and he also had four catches. Looked way better than Philip Lindsay. Naeem Hines still dealing with a concussion. But now that Jonathan Taylor's practicing, Deion Jackson's 5,200 on DraftKings. I feel like that's a bit too pricey, and I wouldn't want to take Jonathan Taylor coming off an ankle injury. So it's pretty much only Alec Pierce or Michael Pittman that I'd be interested on in the Colts. Yeah, and uh, Indy really hasn't looked all that great this year. We, we know they failed to score a touchdown against the tough Broncos defense last week. They had that shut. They got shut out against Jacksonville before. Jacksonville's also struggled, though, recently. Uh, Indy's been good at home against the Jaguars the last so many years. They beat Kansas City at home this year. As far as betting this one, the football outsiders uh, are picked has Jacksonville actually has slight favorites versus the two-point underdog they are in the market. I lean the Colts to cover, despite they have the league's worst offense so far. Uh, but I think if Jonathan Taylor plays, that's a big boost. It, you know, he is coming off the injury. Um, but Matt Ryan and Jacksonville, I, I, I like them. I just uh, – Indy, for some reason, I, I'm leaning towards Indy on this one, so I like them. Uh, I'm going to say under 42 points as well. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of scoring in this one, kind of like that Thursday night or last night. How about you? Well, I feel like maybe I'm just being a little too optimistic here, but I'm going to go back to Jacksonville. I think in the first, the last couple of weeks have felt like their problems have really, Trevor Lawrence got rattled against the Eagles and you could see it and, over the first couple of weeks, one, two, and three, he was averaging 80% completion rate in clean pockets. And then that dropped down to 57% over the last two weeks. I think the Colts, I'm not sure they're going to be able to get the same amount of pressure on him. And I feel like we're going to see a more calm, get back to the way he was playing. I feel like the coaching stuff around him, we're going to bring that back out of him. And I'm just going to, yeah, I'm going to lean towards Jacksonville to do it. And I'm going to go with the over because 42 it just feels like one of those which it would, you know, 
24-20, something like that, where we're just squeaking over that. Yeah, just push it over. Yeah, for some reason, I'm putting my faith in Matt Ryan, which sounds kind of crazy, <laughs> making myself second-guess it and go crazy talking about it. But I'll stick with it and and uh, think hope that they can get uh, a, a couple of wins in a row here. So moving on to San Francisco and Atlanta, the 49ers, five-and-a-half-point favorites against the Falcons. 44.5-point total, just a few points higher than that Colts-Jaguars game. Could be a tough day for that Atlanta offense all around. San Francisco is first in defensive DVOA, fifth against the pass, first against the run. Drake London, I made the mistake of, uh, maybe not the mistake beforehand, but of swapping him out with Gabe Davis. With Kyle Pitts being out, just thought he was going to get a ton of targets, rack up the catches, and get some yards. <laughs> Got seven targets in each of the last two games, but only six catches total. Can you think he can get back on track against this 49ers defense in a tough matchup? It is a really tough matchup, and I think, you know, there was there was a bit of talk that he might have had a knee injury or something or a bang to his knee because he was in the tent at one point. So I do feel like, you know, it sounds like Kyle Pitts is going to be out there doing his usual sort of cardio sessions and not catching the ball. So if that helps take a bit of attention away from Drake London, then, yeah, I, I feel like we've seen enough that we've got a good gauge of what Drake London was, and last week felt more like a blip than anything else. And then uh, talking about that San Francisco defense being tough, the other side, the Atlanta defense, low average both against the pass and the run. Who are your best plays in this game from San Francisco? Really, uh, Jeff Wilson has been – Debo has been pretty good, but a little underwhelming compared to last year, I guess. Uh, but what are you like in this one? Yeah, I mean, Jeff Wilson, he's averaged 16.2 attempts over the last four games. He's averaging 88 yards per game, and he's not been under 75 in any of them. That's fantastic consistency, and he was somebody I kind of came around to a little bit late on last weekend as I was reading more of people sort of talking him up, and, you know, he's running really well. He, I think he ranks eighth in DYAR, and Falcons, you know, they've been quite good on pass defense, but not great on the rush defense, so I'd definitely be using Jeff Wilson again this weekend. I really want to play George Kittle at some point. I keep talking myself into it, believing that it's going to happen, but you know, he's averaging 91% of snaps and he just, last week's 47 scoreless yards were the most he's had in the game. And four of his six targets came on the first two drives and then they just seemed to go away from him. So it's tricky. You can't you can't start Ayuk with real confidence. You can't really start Kittle with confidence. But, you know, in season long, I think if you've got those players, you kind of have to roll them out there because we know that they have really high ceilings. Yeah, and as far as uh, mentioned Debo Samuel, uh, the read or heard on a, a podcast I was listening, I don't remember, but he still getting the yards. I had the big game with the the touchdown against the Rams, bunch of a lot of receiving yards, but isn't getting the same amount of rushing volume as he had last year, where a lot of his a lot of points came from. Jeff Wilson's doing really well. Uh, he, you're starting him in season long fantasy, but as far as some of those daily leagues, what do you, what are your thoughts on him there? Yeah, I, I feel like he's completely fine. I mean, he's somebody that. The matchup feels good for him. So it's like, you know, it always, like, Atlanta, they've been okay in the passing offense, uh, passing defense, sorry, but they've not been incredible. And you feel like it's quite likely the way that Kyle Shanahan schemes things, they could easily be able to get him open. It feels like one of those where when Debo isn't getting it done in the passing game, sometimes they will roll him back into the backfield. And even though he's only... He had a couple of carries per week. You know, he tends to be able to get there quite often. He's 7,600, so he's just creeping up a little bit in price. But I would imagine at that price that it's going to 
make a lot of people shy away from him. So I don't see him being tremendously owned this weekend, which probably makes him quite a good tournament play. Yeah, be nice. And then San Francisco, I mentioned five and a half point favorites here. I think this could end up being a similar game to last week's San Francisco uh, and Carolina game. Atlanta is better. They are still undefeated against the spread. So which side are you taking in this one? I'm, I'm taking San Francisco. I mean, the way they demolished um, Carolina last week, it just feels, you know, even over on the road here, I've not seen enough from Atlanta yet to believe that they could take on a defense this well, uh, this good. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, I'm going San Francisco, but I'm going with the under. I feel like really the Falcons are probably in for a miserable day. Yep, I'm with you on Atlanta. Uh, last week, I did say that their undefeated against the spread would end, and it didn't recover <laughs> against Tampa. But I'm going with it again this week. I think they're just much better. Uh, over 44.5 is where I went earlier, something like 28-17, 31-20, kind of just go over uh, or go, you know, almost a touchdown over. But Atlanta has scored 20, they scored 23-plus in the first four before just 15 against Tampa. Much tougher defense there. Uh, to your point, I, the offense doesn't necessarily look great, but I do think uh, I'm kind of thinking they score just enough to get over. Uh, but San Francisco takes care of business and wins pretty easily. A couple prop bets here. One that I had first kind of went back and forth on. But Tyler uh, Algier had 45 yards on 13 carries. His rushing prop is set at 48 and a half. I like the under. under. I think Atlanta just forced to throw a lot more in this one, and, and he doesn't get as much of the as much work or just doesn't do as well. Again, 45 on 13, not great. And then on the other side, you mentioned Jeff Wilson. His total set at 66 and a half since he became the starter in week two. You mentioned he's gone at least 74 in every game and Atlanta's bottom six against the rush. So I uh, think that's a, one of the easiest ones of the week. So uh, nothing, no such thing as a sure thing, but that one really seems like it. So moving on to Baltimore and the Giants now. Baltimore Ravens under five and a half, sorry, five point favorites going into New York. Uh, total at 45. The Giants shocked the Packers in London last week. It was a really disappointing second half for Green Bay. Saquon Barkley had another big game. Darius Slayton had his first big game. Caught six passes for 79 yards. Is he a good player this week against Baltimore? I think he's definitely the kind of player that you can look to if you're going to look to game stack this. I think it's a little bit thin if you're talking about in season long or redraft leagues, things like that. Um, I think, you know, he's very cheap on DraftKings this week. He's only 3,800 and it's rare to find receivers with a good workload below 4,000. So, I definitely don't mind it, but I think the the Ravens' defense is definitely improving week on week. We saw last week Marcus Peters did a really good job shutting Jamar Chase down at times. Mm-hmm. And as he's gotten healthier, Marlon Humphrey seems to be playing better as well. And it just seems like they're doing better than those first few weeks where you know the Dolphins went crazy and even <laughs> the Patriots are putting up big pit plays on them. So... I do struggle to see him having a real ceiling performance, but I definitely don't mind the play, particularly if you're looking at stacking the Ravens side of it and you're looking for a player to bring back because loads of people are going to be on Saquon Barkley at this point. I would expect probably 20% of rosters in like the Millie Maker contest to have him on there because, I mean, he's just smashing, isn't he? Like, you know, against Packers, <laughs> just, you know, they knew what he was going to do all day, but he just kept doing it and, the Ravens even allowed the Bengals running backs, who've been awful this year, to average over five yards of carry. So Saquon's definitely in play. Darius Slayton's in play. Um, that's probably about it, really. Maybe Daniel Bellinger, if you're really pushing. Yeah, and then speaking of that Baltimore side, 
Do you like J.K. Dobbins this week? Only eight carries last week, zero targets after totaling 17 touches and two touchdowns against Buffalo. I was kind of gearing up to be all in on J.K. Dobbins this week. I thought, you know, you looked at how the Giants have defended against the run, and it hasn't been particularly great. But then John Harbaugh keeps talking about the turf at MetLife Stadium, and obviously the Ravens played the Jets there already. And after that game, you mentioned it as well and how much he thought it was a bit... He just wasn't wild on it. And part of me feels like it wouldn't be surprising if, you know, we've seen they're being cautious with J.K. Dobbins. They're really not pushing him too much, even though we keep talking about how well he's doing and how, you know, they're seeing that explosiveness that they want. But I'm just a little... I find it a little bit difficult to plug him into lineups at the minute. So if if you've got another option, I feel like it might be the week to just say, okay, I'm not too sure about this. But he is very cheap on DraftKings. I think he's 5,500. And currently, because of the players around him in price, nobody's going to play him. Like I've seen roster ship projections of like less than 2%. So if you, if you create a few lineups, yeah, it's 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 definitely something I'd be open to. But I just, I just got this nagging feeling that we're not going to see him as much as we'd like to this week. Yeah, and then as far as the betting side of this, uh, for me, I don't think New York is as good as their 4-1 and record. DVOA doesn't really think so either, only 18th. Um, I'm siding with Baltimore to cover, get to 3-0 and against the spread on the road. This is our second highest confidence spread pick. Those are numbers. Those of you out there watching, you can get all of our NFL picks spread uh, straight up and total along with ranked by confidence. Uh, you can get those every week with an FO Plus subscription. For just $4.99 a month at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. So I'm siding with Baltimore. I think they score easily, unlike the backers did in the second half, and they pushed the total over. because uh, I do think the Giants are able to score a little bit in this one. What are what's your what side are you taking here? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going with my my Ravens this week. We're playing Don Wink Martindale, who was a former defensive coordinator, and one of the big issues that he tended to have was being a little too blitz happy. I feel like he's going to send the house at Lamar a lot. And that worked last year. Lots of teams had success playing the Blitz against him. But this year, Lamar's been pretty decent against the Blitz. And I just feel like that's going to fail miserably. Those cover zero looks that he loves to send are just going to get very exposed by a savvy Ravens offense. And I feel like the Ravens, Ravens will cover, Ravens will win, and the total will go over because, I mean, we've seen aside from the Bengals game last week, a lot of high-scoring games involving the Ravens. Yeah, so Baltimore, pretty heavy uh, favorite there to win. I think most people siding with them. Sticking in the AFC North, at least one team, they're Pittsburgh hosting Tampa Bay. The Bucks come in as eight-and-a-half-point favorites, 44-point total. Steelers got absolutely shredded by Josh Allen last week. I mentioned <laughs> at the top, Gabe Davis has started off the game with a 98-yard touchdown catch. A big day in store for Brady and these receivers, you think, after a – Say somewhat disappointing fantasy output last week because he didn't really have the touchdowns that, that we thought he might have, but Brady did have the yard. Yeah, I think, and it's it's quite noticeable how different how different this defense is when TJ Watt isn't on the field. They just, you know, they're just not anywhere near as imposing. And so far this season, the Steelers have allowed the eighth most fantasy points to quarterbacks. So Brady, you know, he ranks fifth in DYAR. He's coming to town when his pass catchers getting healthier. They seem to be hitting this stride. And the Bucks have that feel like the Patriots used to, where it's like, you know, it didn't really matter what happened early on. They were just going to put it together as the season went on. So um, start all your pass catchers for the Bucks, start Leonard Fournette, start Tom Brady with confidence. Yeah, Tom Brady, Tom Brady uh, the total there set at 274.5 in passing yards. 
the touchdown is set at one and a half touchdowns. I like the over on both of those. He's thrown for 350 plus in back-to-back games. Pittsburgh, I mentioned, got shredded. They gave up 424 yards and four touchdowns to Josh Allen through the air last week. So big game for Brady coming in. A couple props there that I like. Then no one from Atlanta had a very big day against Tampa last week. Is there anyone that we can count on from Pittsburgh? Uh, I think really you've got to look at like at George Pickens at the moment. As you know, since Kenny Pickett came into the side, it's just been Pickens, Pickens, Pickens. Like through six quarters together, Pickens has gone from averaging 1.6 receptions per game to six receptions per game. He's gone from 21.6 yards, where he was really doing very little, to 92.5 yards. So Pickens, he's been a top 24 wide receiver for the last two weeks, and I think you kind of have to feel confident that you can start him and that the game script is going to flow in the way that he's going to keep seeing those high-value downfield targets. Now, pick it to Pickens definitely becoming a thing like we saw some in the preseason there for Pittsburgh. And now, I do expect Kenny Pickett to struggle to score against another really good defense we talked about here. And then I talked with, uh, I think, Vince and maybe Mike on a couple other shows talking about him. Uh, just that tough start to his career he's got against Buffalo's defense in Tampa. He's got a couple others. I do think Tampa covers easily in this one like Buffalo did. I think the total, though, falls under 44, kind of like the game last week did for Pittsburgh. It was 38-3 at the end. So I don't remember what the total was, but it fell short there. Um, I think this one could be a similar game, although Pittsburgh uh, may at least get a touchdown this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Buccaneers to cover and the under. Just feels uh, very easy to project that game script. Not much to, to not much dissent there on that one. Moving, staying again, we got another AFC North team here. Cleveland hosting the Patriots. Uh, Patriots coming in as two-and-a-half-point underdogs, 43-and-a-half-point total here. Looks like Ramondre Stevenson taking over as RB1 for the time being. I think Damian Harris expected to miss at least a couple weeks. Cleveland's dead last against the run, so this is a great matchup. I imagine he's going to be one of the more popular running back plays this week, isn't he? Definitely. I mean, I think this is like the third week in a row that the Patriots have faced the team who was ranking last in defense rush DVOA. So, you know, they faced the Packers, they faced, uh, I can't remember who it was last week. week. There we go. And now they face Cleveland, who I think that ranking is probably going to surprise a few people because they've had a reputation of having a good defense over the last couple of years. But Stevenson, you know, last week he rushed 25 times for 161 yards. He's in my DFS article this week, and uh, he's only 6,000, so he's very affordable, and I would expect an awful lot of people to play him. It is is worth mentioning the fact that uh, Damian Harris had a limited practice yesterday, despite the reports that he's going to miss time, but it just seems like the Patriots don't let anybody rest. You know, Mac Jones, we were told, was going to miss time, possibly end up on IR, and he's like, there at every practice, Damian Harris there at practice, but I would expect Stevenson to be getting a huge amount of work, and I would expect him to be rostered in a really high number of places on DraftKings. So if you're using him in a lineup, if you play in tournaments, you need to be thoughtful about how you get different with the rest of your lineup. But he's also a really good play for cash games where you're just looking to beat 50% of the field. On the other side, the other backfield, Nick Chubb just keeps on going, takes on the 28th-ranked New England run defense, so it could be a lot of running here. Now, Jamal Williams and most of that Lions team really busted last week, didn't even score a single point. I can't imagine that happening with Chubb, who's been held under 113 yards just once. You mentioned kind of getting getting uh, creative with your lineups if you're going Stevenson. I would imagine Chubb and Stevenson are a, a popular one-two punch, but maybe not. Are you expecting the, him to be Chubb up there, depending on what he's, his, uh, his price is? 
So his price is 8200 so he's like really up in the very upper echelons of prices this week. So I would be very surprised if, like, I've seen ownership projections with him under 5%. So if you paired him and Stevenson, uh, generally speaking, we don't want to go down that road because it's hard for both players to hit the ceiling. But the way these two offenses are going to work, they're going to have to run through the running backs. So I'd be fine with that. I think we've seen that even when Cleveland falls behind, the best hope is still feeding Chuck the ball and hoping that he breaks a long run. And time after time, he's doing that. Like he's just, you know, he's averaging two big runs, which is a PFF metric per game. Whereas last year, he was only averaging one. Like he just, he can change a game in an instant. Absolutely. And you mentioned the, the Cleveland defense has really struggled. They are better than the Lions defense, but just barely. Uh, and the Browns have played a lot of close games this year. So looking at the betting angle of this, I think Cleveland wins. But I think New England can cover in this one, like a one, two-point game. Again, the Browns have had a two-point game, a three-point game, I think a one-point game. They've been very close. So I'm I'm leaning that way. Also lean with the under, again, a game where I think there's going to be a lot of running and just time's going to kind of tick off, off the clock uh, here. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go sl- slightly different. I'm going to go with Cleveland to cover, and I'm going to go with the over. I feel like. Jacoby Myers seems to be hitting a little bit of form for New England. And, you know, Stevenson's such an electric running back that I really believe that he's going to have a great dig. But I just kind of struggle to believe they're going to keep it close enough to cover because, you know, Bailey Zappi's had two good, really good games where he's been over 75% completion in both. But at some point, it's going to wear off. And uh, I just think it'll be a little easier by the fourth quarter for the Browns. So got some dissent on this one. And then we're going to round out the AFC North here. Cincinnati minus two at New Orleans, a 43-point total. Uh, a lot of low 40s this week in those totals. Uh, a big week from Taysom Hill last week. You mentioned uh, earlier he had four total touchdowns. Obviously not going to produce like that every week. Are you considering starting him this week against Cincinnati? Do you think the workload will be there and be consistent enough? I mean, tight end is really bad any way you look at it unless you have kind of one of the top guys. Yeah, it's it's kind of tricky. I mean, if we're talking in traditional leagues, mm-hmm. I think you can kind of talk yourself into starting Taysom Hill. But, you know, he's just an incredibly frustrating player because he's had two games this season with 80-plus rushing yards and then two with around 20. You know, he's tightened three in PPR, but, like, it seems the way that they're starting to use him has become really creative, back to, like, how they were using him with Sean Payton when he was there. But... It's really hard to count on that. On DraftKings, for DFS purposes, they qualify him as a quarterback, not a tight end. So on there, there's just no point because yeah. his ceiling of, you know, not like last week, but generally speaking, you're probably getting around 13, 14 points. And it might just, you know, it just can't compete with the likes of Josh Allen or Kyler Murray. So... He's not somebody I'll be standing somewhere. I started him last week in one place as a tight end, and that's possibly like with the bye weeks in flex positions. That's about where I'd play him. But I mean, this Saints team, Saints team really is banged up. You know, Michael Thomas still isn't practicing. Jarvis Landry was a late scratch last week. Chris Olave is still in the concussion protocol. So I think you can look towards Alvin Kamara, who's looking much more like his old self. He had 194 yards last week. Hasn't had a carry inside the 10-yard line, but neither is Austin Eckler. You know, sometimes you just break those long runs and the touchdowns will come. So I'm quite happy starting Kamara. 
and a real push, maybe Taysom Hill, but that's about it, really. And then on the other side, Cincinnati, Jamar Chase has been a popular, one of the most popular by low candidates, uh, and people kind of just staying to stay the course with him. Uh, could this be the week he finally goes nuclear and has that big game? New Orleans is only 13th against the pass, but they're only 20th against wide receiver ones and 26th against deep passes in DVOA. Yeah, and I don't tend to worry about cornerback matchups. Quite often I'll get the question, oh, are you worried about Marshall Lamb or Shadow and stuff like that? And I just, I just don't care. It's like elite athletes beat elite athletes, and, you know, sometimes they don't and they struggle, and we make it into a big deal. But, like, you know, I'm – I'm concerning myself with the offense side and I'm much more lean towards the idea, well, what if I'm right and what if Jamar Chase can do it? It's particularly watching him against the Ravens last week, it was really striking just how little they were able to get anything going downfield. I mean, like last year, his average yards per target was like 11.4 and now it's down to 4.2. I think over the last couple of weeks, uh, over the last three weeks, he's at 18 targets but only six of those have turned into plays greater than 10 yards. So perhaps this is the week where it clicks. I think, you know, as far as like I've got him in my home league and there's no way I can bench him because, you know, 40 points on your bench is not what anybody wants. <laughs> I think in I did it last of, week. Like I said, Gabe Davis, it was, it was tough. I got the win, but it was tough early in the day. <laughs> I think, you know, at the price point he's at, he's at 7,700 on DraftKings. So, I would expect he's not heavily rostered, so he might be the kind of play where it's like he turns around and gives you one of those ceiling games. Perhaps if T. Higgins is back, that helps take a little bit more of the pressure off Jamar Chase, and that helps. But it's it's pretty difficult to have a lot of confidence in it at the minute, particularly on the road. Yeah, and you mentioned T. Higgins possibly being out. Uh, could open up more work as well for Hayden Hurst, who's been very good. Saints are only second in DVOA against tight ends. Uh, so that one could be a little bit tougher, but he's been getting a lot of work consistently. So that's another guy that I've had my eye on quite a bit that's been producing. Uh, as far as betting this side, Cincinnati's been playing pretty well over the last few weeks. They're sixth overall in DVOA in that time span. That Saints defense has been just around average. Um, I'm going to go with the Bengals. It's a tough environment down there in New Orleans, but I, I like Cincinnati to just cover. Uh, you mentioned the, the Saints being kind of banged up on offense. It's going to be tough. But at 43 points, um, I do think the under hits in this one. Okay, so I'm going on the other side of things here. I'm saying with the Saints, you know, I, I always I love watching games that are taking place in the Superdome. It's always like, you know, there's real atmosphere there. That's not an easy place to go. And I think that the Saints are going to win this one, cover it, and we're going to see the over hit. You've got to remember, though, Joe Burrow played down – at LSU, so he's he's familiar with that. I don't know about in the in the Superdome. I think he probably played uh, or played up from LSU. Played some games there, but uh, so going opposite sides on this one again. Uh, so interesting here. Not always agreeing, which we like to see. <laughs> we'll move on to Minnesota at Miami. Minus the Vikings are minus three and a half. So forty five and a half point total. No Tua, no Teddy. Most likely, is it too far to bench Tyree Kill? in a season-long matchup that Minnesota defense has not been very good. Uh, I imagine you are you may be avoiding the Dolphins' offense in general with a third-string quarterback. Am I wrong there? It's it's really tricky because on top of that, it sounds like Tyree Kill's dealing with, I think it was a quad injury. So he's like, you know, he's not healthy. Jalen Waddell keeps having these soft tissue issues and he never really seems to be – he's always on the injury report. So it's tricky. I mean, Skylar Thompson – they came right out at the beginning of the week and they said, regardless of whether Teddy 
pass his concussion protocol. It was going to be Skylar Thompson. So he must have a lot of faith in him. They said that, you know, he knows the playbook really well. And perhaps with that week as, you know, practicing as the starter, there's enough there. It seemed last week when Skylar Thompson came into the game that he really focused on using Tyree Kill and trying to get the ball to him. So I think, you know, if it was a tougher defense, then I'd possibly be a bit more worried. But I think you can start Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. I'm probably not going to be playing a lot of them in DFS this week. I feel like the other side of the ball on the Minnesota side is much more attractive, really. Yeah, Miami either trust Skylar Thompson or they're being very careful with that concussion protocol, yeah. as we saw with two and saying, hey, we're not going to put Teddy out there. The, the main point of interest for me on the Miami side is the running backs because Raheem Mostert seems to have really wrestled control about away from Chase Edmonds. Like last week, he had 18 carries for 113 yards for a touchdown. And over the last two weeks, Mostert's had 33 carries, which uh, 33 touches, whereas Chase Edmonds had like six in that time. Yeah. And it just feels like Chase Edmonds isn't running the ball well. He gets hit at the line of scrimmage almost 40% of the time, whereas most of it's like down at 30. And that's kind of fine. You know, it's okay to get hit at the line of scrimmage as long as you're creating yards after contact. But Chase Edmonds doesn't even do that. He creates like 1.8 yards after contact, and most of it is like 3.3. So it just feels like the coaching staff right now have leaned fully into most of it, being the hot hand. And I'd quite happily play most of it in this one. And on that other side, Miami. 31st against the pass the last three weeks, 20th against the run. Justin Jefferson's receiving receiving yard set at 89 and a half. That's a bet I like this week to go over. Is he in for a third straight just monster game this week, you think? It feels like things have clicked again. Like now they're getting those matchups that they want to. They're getting him back onto the linebackers and, or, you know, they're getting him into space again. You know, last week it just felt kind of crazy how Kirk Cousins went out and he completed like his first 18 passes and 85% of his passes in the first half. And he was 10 of 10 on passes to Justin Jefferson. Yet in the second half of the game, when the Bears were coming back into it, they only targeted him three more times throughout. So I'm definitely in on it. I'm very much in on stacks of Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson this week with possibly Moster or Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddell on the other side of it. Uh, I think it's really difficult to play either KJ Osborne or Adam Thielen at the minute. Neither of them seem to be doing anything too consistently. I know Adam Thielen had a good game in London, but since it's kind of it's not really been particularly fruitful for fantasy purposes. So that's about as far as I look on the Vikings side. Yeah, and then uh, looking at the the betting angle here, Vikings are actually FO's fourth highest confidence spread pick. Again, that's data you can get every week with an FO Plus subscription. Uh, for just $4.99 a month, sign up at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. So we're in on the Vikings here uh, against the spread. That's uh, three and a half point favorites. Uh, what, which side are you taking on Sunday? Yeah, I'm, I'm going Vikings to cover, Vikings on the money line and be over. I feel like, you know, but it's got sneaky shootout potential if Scarlett Thompson can be competent. Yep, I went the same way. So we're agreeing <laughs> this time with you going first. I side Minnesota, the over. Miami still put up 17 against the Jets. Again, not a ton, but with Skylar Thompson coming into that game, uh, being forced in there early, I think it could be a similar thing where my, uh, Minnesota puts up a lot of points and Miami, you know, still loses by 14, but gets up, scores enough points to push this one over at 45 and a half. So I agree with you there. 
Looking in Miami's opponent last week, the Jets plus seven at Green Bay, 45-point total. We know the disappointing loss to the Jets, the Giants last week now face the Jets due to the Packers at home. They return to, to Lambeau. They're 30th against the run. Could be another big day from Brees Hall, probably expecting it. But Michael Carter vultured two touchdowns last week. Can't expect that, that to happen every week, but is he cutting it? Do you think he's going to keep cutting into that work, or is Brees Hall just going to kind of take this over for good? It just feels like the breakout's already happened for Brees Hall. I mean, you know, almost totaling 200 yards, like 100 on the ground and 100 through the air. That's, those are the kind of big workloads that we really dream of for running backs. And to be getting it done in the way he is, like Brees Hall's seeing downfield targets, like deep shots, like we saw it the week before last, and then we saw it last week where he had the wheel rope down to the mm-hmm. side. So I've got complete confidence in starting him. We'd worry perhaps that we might see slightly less passes to him with Zach Wilson in, but Zach Wilson seemed fine last week, and, you know, that Miami defense do like to blitz quarterbacks, so I expected him to struggle a bit more, but he was fine. I do think the Packers pass rush is going to get after him, and, you know, I'm not expecting a perfect game, but, yeah, I've got no problem whatsoever with Brees Hall. wrote him up in my DFS column for today, and I would expect plenty of other people to be on him because he's very cheap at 5,800. At this point, is Michael Carter in season long, is he worth hanging on to, or would you consider dropping him, especially with bye weeks coming up and needing to fill up some spots? I think it's tricky. I think you probably get a reasonable floor from Carter at the minute. I think, you know, just because we've seen that they're going to be quite happy to play him on the goal line as well. And Michael Carter, he's a really good between the tackles runner, like I think a lot of people think he's just kind of more like a third down back, but he's excellent through the tackles. And even though last week's scores was propped up a lot by touchdowns, I mean, if you're in a real pinch, he's probably going to get you about six to eight fantasy points still. So yeah, not not bad to hang on to. And then as far as you mentioned, Zach Wilson had a pretty good game, only 14 completions, but only 21 attempts. So good for uh, completing two-thirds there. Expecting a better game for the Jets' wide receivers here against Green Bay. They'll likely need to throw more, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think you can probably be a bit more hopeful about Garrett Wilson and particularly Elijah Moore. And if it's if we do see a return to like the Packers being competent, then perhaps it turns into a situation where the Jets are having to throw from behind a lot and it turns out in, it turns into a really nice positive game script for fantasy. And then on the other side, Raheem Mostert, we just talked about, had the big game last week against the Jets. I assume Green Bay is going to get A.J. Dillon more involved. There was the the end of the game. I really thought that they, on that third and one, this was kind of been a gripe of mine all week, that they would just let him bulldoze for that for that one yard and then get four shots at the end zone. But he only had six carries the whole game, I think. Is he a good play this week? I feel like it's one of those things we talk about, the squeaky wheel, and there's been a lot of talk around the lack of usage of A.J. Dillon. Yeah, I mean, it was really it was really surprising just how little they used him last week. I mean, his price has plummeted down to like 5,600 on DraftKings right now, and I feel like everybody will probably be on Aaron Jones, who's 7,600. But, like, we've seen that ceiling out of Aaron Jones much more recently, whereas, like, last week, like you said, only six rush attempts. He's still rushing well. Like, he had 34 yards on him. It was like 5.7 yards per carry. So... Really, more than anything, it's just perplexing why they decided not to have him on the field. And if it's something that Aaron Rodgers starts talking up, oh, we need to see this. We know Aaron Rodgers is carrying a bit of an injury, is it, to his thumb. And if 
if he's feeling like he can't throw the ball as well as usual or doesn't want to throw the ball as much, then perhaps we do see more A.J. Dillon on the field. Yeah, and then Green Bay, again, struggled struggled lately. They're coming back from London. The Jets are off that big win. As far as betting this, I want to pick Green Bay to bounce back and cover. You said comments it, but I can't do it. I do think they win, but I think the Jets cover. I think this ends up being a pretty close game. I do think both teams can can score, though. The Jets are 14th in offense, and Zach Wilson has returned. Green Bay's at the ninth the last two weeks in offense, although that second-half defense really struggled last week. So I'm siding with the over here as well as Jets to cover, Packers to win. Same on everything. Nope, perfect. Three for three there. <laughs> we'll move out west and go Carolina. Recently fired Matt Rule. Uh, they're going in as 10-point underdogs against the Rams, a 41-point total here. Again, new coach, new quarterback for Carolina with Baker Mayfield dealing with an injury. Playing against a struggling Rams team, they've scored only 19 points the last two games combined against two top defenses, though. This is a good spot for the Rams. I think P.J. Walker wasn't very good last year. Could this be good, though, for D.J. Moore? And can he also keep uh, Christian McCaffrey's stock up? Because uh, he's seen a ton of passes the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it seems like, you know, P.J. Walker, I was a big fan of the XFL when that was around. And I thought, you know, he was fantastic there, but obviously it's a very different league. But P.J. Walker has had games where he's been decent. He's come in at some points and he's been atrocious, but he's also had games where when he gets into a rhythm, he seems to be okay. And I think there's something like five games where he's had more than like 10 pass attempts. And in three of those, Robbie Anderson has totaled 27 targets, so he's averaging nine targets across them. So you can talk yourself into it. It's a real bit of a stretch, but if you're playing contests like Millie Maker where you're competing with a couple hundred thousand other entries. The Rams struggle against the pass, like you said. They rank 27th against wide receiver twos, and they're allowing third most fantasy points to wide receivers. So perhaps, you know, a real stretch Robbie Anderson's in play. Christian McCaffrey, you've got to start in DJ Moore. I'm not starting DJ Moore this week unless I have to. And then on that other side, Cooper Cup, surprisingly, came up last night dealing with a foot injury now. They're expecting him to play. But is this the big Allen Robinson game? Carolina's 10th against wide receiver ones, 15 against wide receiver twos. Maybe Cup dealing with an injury, and we know if he's out there, he's going to get some targets, but being kind of a decoy. And if Robinson doesn't have the big game, some people have already dropped him. Is he, or are you just dropping him if this game isn't it? Um, I'm, I'm done with Allen Robinson. Like, <laughs> just, like, he's, just, he's never open. He keeps getting the high-value touches to keep giving him deep shots, to keep giving him red zone shots. But it's like, you know, He's just being outplayed by far cheaper options and who are being far more reliable. And I just, I don't see it. I feel like Cooper Cup, you know, these kind of elite players, they always just end up finding a way to play. The one point of note that's kind of really interesting, I was on the uh, FF Hustle show today with uh, Brian Drake, and somebody commented on that saying, do we think that Kyron Williams could play a role? And he's coming back from IR. We've seen Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson be pretty average. So it'd be very interesting to see if, firstly, if Karen Williams ever elevated for this game. And if so, what kind of usage he gets. But he's definitely not somebody you could be starting yet. It just might be worth grabbing him and stashing him if you've got deeper benches. Yeah, and then one more thing going back to, to, to Christian McCaffrey that just popped up. I don't know what you said that reminded me of this, but uh, been some rumors now with Matt Rule being out about maybe them blowing it up trading. This could be, you know, McCaffrey ended up with there. I've seen the Rams, the Bills. Uh, the Bills said they didn't reach out. There have been rumors they have, but 
could be a potentially a new landing spot for, for Christian McCaffrey, but I don't know if it's really all that likely because I mean, Carolina, there was a lot of talk in the offseason about them actually, you know, having some good pieces there, Baker Mayfield being able to make them competent, a young defense. Uh, but do you think there's any, any uh, credibility to any of that or think that that's a good shot? <laughs> I think when you look at his contract, you basically need to renegotiate it or get him to take a pay cut for next season, which when you're Christian McCaffrey, why would you? So I think it's very tricky. Unless Christian McCaffrey really wants to chase a ring, then I really doubt it's going to happen because I don't think that Carolina would get an awful lot in picks back for him. Uh, I think, you know, there's probably some more movable pieces, but also for Carolina, maybe they're finally going to get the rookie quarterback who can actually galvanize things for them. Christian McCaffrey should be the first person that you want for a rookie quarterback. It's like, look, here you go. Here's this guy. If you're in trouble, he'll be there. Just throw the ball up and he'll make a play. Yeah, playing for the number one pick. They actually are favorites to have the number one pick right now. I think they were, Aaron said they were over, like 30%. Yep. And they were the only ones over 12 or something. So uh, (laughs) expect them to maybe get that, to get that rookie quarterback. And there's going to be a handful of them this year. Really good class. One last thing, there's a note, uh, more of a note than a question. I saw Tyler Higby could be in for a big game. Uh, Carolina only 24th in DVOA against tight ends. Um, He's been really, really productive, getting a lot of targets in this offense, especially with Allen Robinson struggling and those, uh, Stats versus receivers, you've heard us talking about. Uh, those of you that are watching, you can have those or get those with an FO Plus subscription I've mentioned a couple times. Sign up for just $4.99 a month at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. We're going to try and get off of this game. We've been on this game for, for a long time. But the betting angle, the Rams, again, the offense just looks bad. Carolina's been decent aside from last week. Uh, that defense, uh, we know they were just horrible against San Francisco. Second worst DVOA of the week defensively. I'll take Carolina to cover, though. And the Rams defense, on the other side, top 10 the last three weeks. I think the scoring is limited, stays under 41. But I think Carolina is able to keep it somewhat close as 10-point underdogs. I think, yeah, I'm pretty close. But I I think that the Rams are just going to edge the spread. So I'll have them to cover. I just think Aaron Donald is not the kind of player P.J. Walker has played against very often. So uh, that's that's a nightmare scenario for me. (laughs) Yeah, those 10-pointers we've talked about a handful of times are tough when you get into those double digits because yeah. it's the NFL, but we both were right on the Bills last week. We took them minus 14, and they were ended up winning by 35. So don't expect that from the Rams, but we'll see. It could happen. So moving or staying out west, Arizona, minus 2.5 at Seattle, 50.5-point total here, second-highest total of the week behind that Bills-Chiefs game that we'll get to here in just a moment. Lots of scoring expected here. Rondale Moore had a really good game in his second game back. He, along with all the Arizona skill players, should be good starts against a bad Seattle defense. Yeah, I think it's definitely this is a matchup that for me, like I'm kind of more interested from a DFS perspective in this game than Buffalo Kansas City because they they will get to it, but like the prices of those players are more expensive. The defense is much better, but it feels like this two teams, Arizona and Seattle, who have been prone to some pretty bad hiccups on defense. I think, you know, you can look at, you know, the fact that Seattle are allowing like 37 points per game over the last three games. Uh, You can look at the fact that we've got uh, Kenneth Walker, who's now going to be running back one in that side. You know, Rashad Penny, sadly, is off to IR with a broken leg, which you really hate to see. But Kenneth Walker's very cheap price this week. Arizona might be the 12th best team in Russian defense, DVOA. 
the volume will get there. And Seattle leads the league in yards per rushing attempt at 5.5. On the other side of the ball, it sounds like Eno Benjamin might be the lead workhorse running back for the Cardinals with James Conner potentially missing out. I think I saw actually, actually James Conner is officially, they did say he will not play this week, I believe. Oh, okay. Right. So, I mean, Eno you know, Benjamin's one, been running Chicago really well this season. He leads the backfield in missed tackles at 16, despite having half as many attempts as James Conner. He's averaged 3.4 targets per game. So, and this Seattle defense has allowed the second most points to running backs receiving the ball. And we've given up loads of yardage on the ground. So, I feel like, you, you know, you can attack it from that side of things. And then I'm going to keep rambling here for another minute. That's but right. like Zach, Zach Ertz, you know, the tight ends, we can just, we target these teams week after week. Zach Ertz is playing the Seahawks, who ranked dead last in DVOA against tight ends. They've allowed the most fantasy points to the position. They've seen 10 targets inside the red zone, and he's been a top 12 tight end every week. And then on the other side of the ball, even though you've got Disley and Noah Fan to choose between, it seems like Will Disley's become, he's running less routes, but when he is on the field, Geno Smith really likes going to him. He's been a top 12 tight end on three of the five weeks that we've played. And Arizona allowed the second most fantasy points position and ranks 30th in DVO against position. So even though we've not covered some of the big names like Marquise Brown, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, there are just loads of ways to attack this game. And I feel like a lot of ownership, people are going to really try and attack the Kansas City-Buffalo game. But this one could easily be the one that wins people a lot of money this week. I know you said, Mitch, you're going to keep rambling, and that's perfect because you covered Kenneth Walker and Will Disley and Noah Fant that I was was going to bring up. So that is perfect and takes us right into the other side of this, the betting side. Uh, Arizona, again, comes in two-and-a-half-point favorites here. Played the Eagles close, had a chance to send that one to overtime. I'm going with Arizona here because Seattle's defense just hasn't been able to stop anyone. Seattle is our third-highest confident spread pick of the week. They're actually slight favorites in our eyes. But I'm going to go with Arizona, and I do think the Cardinals cover. Um, I know we've – I went back and forth on this too because thinking, you know, there could be a lot of points here. I don't think this one quite hits 50 and a half. Um, So I'm going to stick with the under, uh, but I'm not confident in that at all. Uh, It kind of sounds like you're leaning towards the over on this one. So – for me, yeah, I'm going to go with the over. I'm going to go with the Seahawks side of things. So I think like the fact that they're the home team in this game kind of gives them just that little bit of an edge. I don't feel like, yeah, Arizona haven't proved anything yet. They still seem to be a team that have got all these kind of problems. And, you know, despite the fact that they've been able to put together slightly more competent performances, I'm just not ready to bet them to win yet. Last game without DeAndre Hopkins, he'll be back next week. I don't believe they have a bye next week, so he'll be back or should be back on the field next week for Arizona, which could be a big boon for that offense as well. Moving on to the game we just talked about, the game of the weekend. It's on the main slate as well, which is really awesome. You you kind of talked about maybe not targeting these guys as so much yourself. People will be. Uh, It's Buffalo, two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at Kansas City, 54-point total. I have it here. I'm just going to let you talk about some of the best players here all together. Not going to ask any specific questions. Just going to let you do your thing. I think, right. So, I mean, coming off last week and we talked about it last week that 
against the Ravens, Gabe Davis never looked healthy and he was slowing it out of his breaks. And then last weekend you saw it, like, you know, from, from that play from the end zone with that great camera angle where he just was going all the way. And even though he racked up like a ridiculous amount of points, he only had three catches. Clearly Gabe Davis seems to be healthy again and could be a difference maker. I mean, you can start him. I think Isaiah McKenzie's cleared concussion protocol. He's got three touchdowns in his four starts this season. You know, perhaps we see Khalil Shakir play a little bit more, but it seems like this scheme so much through McKenzie that I'd be completely fine with that. Obviously, he's starting Travis Kelsey. That's not something mm-hmm. you need to worry about. MVS had his best game as a Chief. Uh, I think, you know, this week he's only 4,500 because he played on Monday night. The prices come out on Sunday. And I think if he'd had that performance on Sunday, he would have been priced up a little bit more. Juju's 5,200, and I just I can't talk myself into it. Every time I watch Juju play, he gets the targets, but he's covered. And it just seems like even in these quick out and releases, he should be able to create separation there, and he's just not doing it whatsoever. So Juju's somebody that I'm in a holding pattern on. And we saw McCall Hardman have his most involvement since week one, and he was somebody we talked about a couple of weeks ago. But occasionally, they just need McCall Hardman to give him a little bit of an injection in the game to do it. So... If you are stacking this game heavily, I think a player like McCall Hardman could be somebody who ends up being the key to unlock everything. I'm not quite there on Sky Moore yet. I know he's seen slightly more snaps, but still haven't really seen a whole lot from it. I think the only running back who I'd be willing to start in this game is Jarek McKinnon. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is just, you know, there's no consistency there. Like last week, he averaged 1.67 yards per carry on 15 attempts, and that's that's really poor. I don't think Isaiah Pacheco is going to see enough of a role. But Jared McKinnon, you know, when he's on the field, he looks explosive at times. He can play in the passing game as well. So, yeah, as far as the quarterbacks go, I mean, you know, it's shooting fish in a barrel to say start these guys. They're, they're incredibly expensive on DraftKings for a reason. And we know the ceilings they have, you know, they could put up 40-point games easily. But they're not somebody that I'll be playing in loads of lineups simply because of how much you have to go value hunting for the rest of your lineup. Yeah, and the Buffalo defense in this one too, I think is going to be the difference. Uh, they have the much better defense here. Uh, I, I think the Bills do win this one. They're other road favorites. I think they cover it's two and a half points. I'm going to think that they, they get the job done. Uh, don't get me wrong. Both teams are still going to score. I mentioned Buffalo's defense being good. Kansas City, I think it's still going to get their points. So I'm going to take the over partly because – who wants to cheer against points in a game like this? I think it'd be hard <laughs> to bet the under here if they'll yeah. comfortable against you with those offenses. It's just really tough. No, I'm with you on all of that. And it's just, you know, Buffalo game revenge for the playoff game where they left a little too much time on the clock. And they won the game pretty easily. It was that last year. I think it was a Sunday night game. Had the lightning delay or something, but they won that game pretty well and then uh, looked looked good and had yeah, the tough loss in the, the playoffs. So it uh, wouldn't be so- – Kind of would be kind of funny to see this one go to overtime as well. You can still have the regular overtime rules. We're not in the playoffs yet. See this one come down to to a coin flip, essentially. But really exciting game. Everyone looking forward to this one on Sunday afternoon. Then the night game to cap off Sunday, Dallas, plus six at Philadelphia, 42 points. Cooper Rush will be starting again. Philly got that tough win last week, and this was a really tough divisional battle, a really big divisional battle. Uh, Again, Cooper Rush starting. C.D. Lamb, is he a good captain play against Darius Slay in that Eagles secondary? They're number one against number one wide receivers. Yeah, I think you can – I think people will probably be scared off doing it. But Darius Slay doesn't tend to travel into the slot too often. So, 
CD Lamb plays quite a lot of his snaps there, and I would imagine that the Cowboys are going to try and keep him in the slot to, to push Slay onto the other outside matchups with players like Michael Gallup or Noah Brown. So I'd be completely fine with that one. I think sometimes you just have to trust the offensive players with it. I think Michael Gallup is somebody who looks like an interesting player, even with that Darius Slay matchup. I mean, last week he only had four catches, but Cooper Rush, I think, only had like 10 completions last week. So it wasn't really a game where it was too indicative of anything. So uh, I think it's pretty tricky to start the Cowboys running backs. I mean, I don't know how you feel about that, but it's like Pollard looks more explosive. He's averaging like 5.6 yards per carry versus Zeke, who's getting like 3.8. Pollard's getting more big runs, more missed tackles. Zeke still gets the usage. Zeke's still getting the money. That's that was a thought we were talking about <laughs> one of my friend groups. Like, are they ever just going to hand it over to Pollard? Like, as long as they're paying Zeke and he's on the roster, they're they're going to be giving him the ball. I think so. That's really been a tough thing fantasy wise that you hate to see. And then on that other side, the other number one receiver, AJ Brown, started off really hot last week. I think had all three of his catches on the first drive. Ended up a bust for fantasy. Should we be worried about the lack of touchdowns with him? Hasn't really had the monster games moving forward either. He's been pretty consistent though. He's still wide receiver eleven in PPR. Uh, not really buoyed, but kind of buoyed by that week one game, but also had a 95-yard game just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I think, you know, it's very easy to kind of see it and be like, oh, A.J. Brown isn't really doing the business. But like you say, like, he's been consistent. I think, you know, his last week was his only game under 10 PPR points this season. He's had games where he's had 25, 19, 14. And it's just been Devonta Smith who's been able to get it done because in some ways of the coverage that people are dedicating to A.J. Brown. And last week was a big week where, and we said it against Arizona, that it felt like a Dallas Goddard week. So, But also the Eagles, you know, when they're forced to, they're just turning away from the pass and they're like, right, well, we'll just run the ball down your neck. And it was like that final drive against the Cardinals where we ran like 13 out of 16 plays um, and barely passed the ball. So, it's a little tricky when teams are this good offensively and they are able to use a multitude of options. But AJ Brown is such an elite talent that I, I would have absolutely no problem taking, you know, starting him in any league or starting him in the captain spot in DFS. Even, you know, games that are down games for him, he had seven targets last week. Yep. So still averaging over 20% target share. It's, uh, yeah, full confidence in him. Yeah, and both of these teams going up against really good defenses. Uh, Philly and Dallas, actually, though, are nearly identical in DVOA numbers. Only 0.1% separates them overall. They have the exact same DVOA against the pass and a 1.0% difference against the run. In this one, though, I think the Eagles' offense is the difference. Uh, I don't think Cooper Rush is going to be able to do enough in that uh, against this Philly defense. Um, Jay, just that Philadelphia is just so good. I think that they cover. I do think being a divisional battle, though, it is close. I, I think they just barely cover at six points, uh, maybe by a touchdown and an extra point. It could even push be a six-point game. Um, then both defenses, top four in the red zone. Dallas is number one overall, uh, stopping teams in the red zone. So I, I do think that it is a lower scoring battle than than we would maybe hope for. Short of 42, like 2013, 24-16, falling just short of that 42-point total. Yeah, so I, I'm going with Dallas to cover. I think, you know, kind of, I agree with everything you said. I just feel like, you know, it just, just squeaking. Six points feels kind of a bit big for this divisional battle. Um, but yeah, I think that just squeeze on the over. Again, a kind of like 24 to 21 score, mm-hmm. something like that. 
Yep, pretty close. Uh, we could still be uh, still be on the same page and and have a little bit different view as well, though. So uh, that does it for the Sunday games. On to the last game of the week, the Monday Nighter, Denver plus five at the Los Angeles Chargers, forty-five and a half point total. Another really bad outing from the Denver offense. Melvin Gordon had only fifteen carries for fifty-four yards, but the Chargers gave up one hundred thirty-four yards and two touchdowns on seventeen carries to Nick Chubb last week. We talked about how great he's been. Is Gordon a good captain pick for Monday night this week? I think the running back situation in Denver is probably one which I'm going to stay away from this week. I think, you know, Mike Boone looked good last week, but also they wanted Latavius Murray involved, but obviously he was just coming back from London, so he couldn't get up to speed in time. It was a very short turnaround of like three, four days. So this week, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Latavius Murray getting plenty of work out there. And we saw he looked good for the Saints. We saw spells last year with the Ravens. He looked okay. And it just feels like if Giovanni Williams had been healthy, there was a very realistic chance that Melvin Gordon could have been benched completely or he could have been cut because he just kept putting the ball on the floor. And last week, it was so incredibly obvious. Every time he caught them, he had the ball when he was running, he was really holding it like a baby. It's time. Like when a lineman picks up the ball or something and they just cover it up and run. <laughs> That's it. Like it was a real, you know, overemphasis on keeping it safe. You could tell he didn't feel relaxed in his running, particularly. So I'm definitely avoiding the running backs on that side of it. I think on the other side of the ball with Austin Eckler. I think you can definitely captain him. Like, like we were saying, no carries inside the five, but he's still got like five touchdowns in his last two games after none in his first three. He's averaging a higher target rate than he has last year's jump from 15% to 17. It just seems like when Keenan Allen's out, not out there, but he hoovers up some of those near to the line of scrimmage targets. So lots of confidence in Eckler. Um, it's much more confidence than anything on the Denver side of the ball. Yeah, and then for speaking of the Chargers, uh, the other guys in that office are not benching Justin Herbert or Mike Williams. Sounds like I don't think Keenan Allen is going to play again. I haven't uh, seen the news on him. But Denver is second against the pass, third in red zone defense. Those Chargers only 25th in red zone offense. Uh, could be a tough time scoring for them. Are you lowering expectations for the rest of those guys other than maybe Eckler? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I know I know the guys on our side this week have really been singing about Patrick Sertan being one of the best cornerbacks in the league now and possibly even the best cornerback in the league. So I definitely feel like Mike Williams could be in for a very tough game. Josh Palmer's been doing very little, really struggling to separate. Um, it's tricky because Mike Williams is on the verge of that real kind of almost elite tier. He's had three games with over 10 targets and he only had four of those in the whole of 2021. So this is what you hoped for with him. And you hoped for that you'd be able to start him in games where you were counting on him. So I, I definitely wouldn't be benching Mike Williams, but if I was making a showdown lineup, I'm not quite sure I'd be paying up for him to be the captain. Yeah, you mentioned those targets. I think I saw he's got two or three games over 110 yards, but then a handful of games under like 25 yards. So really tough. And that's kind of always been this thing, boom or bust uh, with him. But uh, been some bust this year. But there have been some upsides as well. Then as far as looking at the betting angle of this one, I said it last week. I was going Denver again, even though I wasn't going to. I'm done betting Denver until they prove (laughs) themselves. I'll take the Chargers uh, to cover at minus five. I just think that offense is, is better, even given the struggles they may have against a tough in a tough matchup. Uh, I think Justin Herbert can get the job done. And as for the total, 
Denver cannot score. They're averaging only 15 per game, but they can prevent scoring. Again, tough matchup for the Chargers. Denver giving up only 16 per game. I'll side with the under with the Chargers to cover that minus five. I'm going with the Chargers like yourself, but the only difference being I'm just maybe I've got too much faith in the over this weekend. I know I've definitely picked, I think, something like 10 overs, but I'd just like to believe that we're going to get a nice primetime game where the over hits. Yeah, I don't always, I don't like picking the unders a lot. It's not as fun, uh, but <laughs> but don't pick them just for fun, obviously. So that, that, uh, a little tough sometimes because you, you want to cheer for scoring. You hate to be sitting there and be like, oh, don't score. Don't score unless it's fantasy and it's your opponent. So we'll see how those go this week. And that'll do it for the week six preview. Before we go, again, don't forget you can get that free $100 from Underdog Fantasy using promo code OUTSIDERS, even in states where that traditional prop betting is not available. They'll match your deposit up to $100, again, using promo code OUTSIDERS. Also, don't forget about that FO Plus membership at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Get NFL betting picks, fantasy advice, premium stats and articles. You get an ad-free experience, and you also get access to all of that data a day before non-FO Plus members. When they get it on Tuesday, you get it all on Monday. Last but certainly not least, join us on the Football Outsiders Discord for in-game conversation for every game, beginning Thursday night through the day Sunday and then the Monday night football game. Tom, thank you as always for joining me. Enjoy the action, and everyone out there, may your fantasy teams win, and hopefully all of your bets hit. 